There's no rules in this bitch, okay? So we're gonna talk about whatever you want, whatever we want, because we're gonna spin it and let y'all know what we're gonna talk about for 15 minutes. We're gonna give you rapid fire stuff. They're the coaches, I'm the everyday guy. I'm gonna challenge them because who the fuck are they to tell me what to do? They don't know me, they do know me, they've known me for a really long time, but that's not the point. The point is, we're here to give you guys a fun podcast and hopefully you learn some shit along the way. Welcome to Mindset You. I'm here with Francis, who likes to complain. (laughs) (laughs) Moses, who's now in the middle. If you guys have recognized that we kind of switched places and we're going to keep doing that so that everybody feels what it's like to be the center of attention. You know, Rancis doesn't like being introduced as Rancis Perez. Do you like just being Rancis? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The the reasoning is not that I don't like it. Yeah. Is looking at it from like an expectation standpoint. Perez immediately gives me the opportunity to be stereotyped. But like for me, it's like I'd rather not come in first with the expectation of like Perez, Hispanic. Oh, he's he's Hispanic and he looks like that. He must be Dominican. And therefore, these ex- I'd rather not be put in a box first. So I think that the, the name Rancis can be seen as like, what is that name? It's, there's curiosity yeah. behind it as opposed to an expectation behind it where Perez now starts to put me in that box so that I don't like to be in a box. Understood. Not question for you about worried about everybody assuming that you're automatically Dominican. Don't think you think they'd know that from the tightness of your pants? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jay. I thought that was a serious question. <laughs> yeah, I know. He framed it up. <laughs> it was actually pretty good the way he did it. <laughs> That's called comedy, guys. Um, today's episode is about self-improvement. And obviously, I have some self-improvement to do. Because <laughs> I don't know how to be serious sometimes. Um, but I will say that these two men who aren't Hispanic, we're not going to label them. I'm Hispanic, man. I know. Well, that's, that's the thing with you. You come in face first and we were like, oh, he's a white guy. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, they, yeah. so I want to afford myself the much opportunity as far as that. I can't do it with you, this. You want the same opportunity I get. But yeah, I will say this. Uh, the way that I do. <laughs> I will say this in fourth grade. I'll never forget this. Moses was very pro Puerto Rican. He was like very militant about being Puerto Rican. And I'll never forget it because one time he was like, you know why they call us Puerto Ricans? Because we're poor and we're Ricans. And I'll never forget that. And I was like, pretty sure it means rich port. But you know, <laughs> whatever works. <laughs> that always stuck I with me. I think that was just a joke. But <laughs> it might have been a joke po- that you heard, but you were very like, Black Panther for Puerto Ricans. Well, that we comes from my father, man. Yeah. Like that—that's real big for my father. Like he, he always told me to take pride in being Puerto Rican. So, oh, you, you mean <laughs> you want to talk about pride? <laughs> Can't speak a word of fucking Spanish. Can't speak a word of Spanish, but this is my first tattoo of Puerto Rican flag. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, you told me about the story about you getting pulled over with the Puerto Rican flag. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, that was that was here in Palisades Park. Uh, yeah, the game pulled over with the Puerto Rican flag. I was playing uh, reggaeton at the time, right? Blasting that thing. And I had the Lexus ES250, my first car, with the speakers that lit up, right? So I was like really Puerto Rican. Uh, and I thought I was going to play ball in Cliffside Park. And then cop pulled me over, asked him why I got pulled over. He wouldn't answer me. He just told me to get out the car. And then I was like, all right. 
but I had the Puerto Rican flag there. So then he's like, your registration, everything's expired. I'm like, how the hell did you know that from like sitting in a corner? Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think he like took the time to like document it or like look it up. And he's like, all right, we're going to tow your car. And then I had to walk home. And at that, that time, I was living in mm-hmm. Teaneck. So I walked home. I think I passed by Jay's house after that, too. Could have just said something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know if you were around at that time. I don't think you you were. So I think you were away at school. I was away at school. Yeah. Got it. Um, but yeah, I got pulled over for being Puerto Rican. After that point on, I took that shit down. Never got pulled over again. I never reclaimed being. <laughs> That's oh, so you're like, so you're like Rancy. So you're like, you know what? <laughs> I never, I didn't get pulled over. Matter of fact, anytime I got pulled over after that, they would obviously read my license and it says Moises Santos. So they, they knew I was Hispanic. But they wouldn't mess with me anymore. Like they, they didn't. Like I remember one time I was in the car with Hector, and it was here in Palisades Park. Mm-hmm. Cop, cops knew who Hector was. Everybody knew who Hector was. They pulled us over, told us to get out of the car, search our, search the car, just because I had the Puerto Rican flag, and I grew up in Palisades Park. So like once I took that flag down, like I was chilling. I would even make, like, got pulled over for talking on the phone. Guy was like. You told the truth. Here, go. You're you're good. <laughs> no ticket. I was just like, oh, that's white privilege, and that, I mean, that really does exist. So, what was it like growing up with white privilege, Moses? I mean, I don't think I've realized it till like the past recent years with all the shit that's happened in this country. But I know I get more opportunities. Easier. It's easier. Yeah. For me to get opportunities. I didn't. I don't. I didn't understand the effects of like day to day life. You know, like, I, I don't think me and Jay ever talked about that. I think it was more so the relationship with you that I started to identify and see those things. And then, like, working in the Bronx and, and seeing, working with those kids, the that demographic of, like, African-Americans and Latinos. And I think that's what made me start to realize, is like, okay, yes, I have privilege. <laughs> you know, and then speaking to my father and his experiences... Like what he went through growing up and coming to this country, I was like, "Oh, I I am privileged. Like I do have that." I was like, "Well, how do like I can't identify with either of you in those types of stories. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it feels like to be patted down because of my color, uh, you know, or or being accused of something because of my color." So, like you know, you're talking about Pow Park. I remember one day I was I was in. So even in high school or middle school, I don't remember, but I was walking on Broad Avenue, coming back from the movie theaters, and I got like five cop cars, flashing lights. Next thing I know, it's just headlights on, on me and, and uh, the blinding like spotlights. And next thing I know, I get smashed into the wall and I'm thrown on the ground, I'm getting searched everywhere and whatever. And I'm just like terrified. <laughs> and... Two seconds later, they all just walk away. And all my stuff is, my pants are like pulled down. My stuff is thrown on the floor, everything. I'm just on the floor like this and uh, they just pull off. Don't say a word to me. I'm like, what the hell? Um, and when I was when I was younger uh, in the city, in the city, I, I, I was like six or seven when a cop took me aside because I had gotten into a, into a fight. And this cop took me away from my sister. They came to my apartment. 
and my parents were in there. My sister, seven years older than me, was there taking care of me. And and they're like, we're here to see Rancid. She's like, he's a tiny little kid. Like, what are you talking about? Um, and the cop takes me away in the hallway. They, they like, smother my sister with, like, you know, interrogation tactics. There's, like, five cops. And one cop takes me out far away from my door into the stairway. And this guy, I still, like, seared in my brain all the stuff that he was saying to me he was like i'm gonna take you to prison and they're gonna rape you and they're gonna do this and like again like six seven years old like that was my, my age range um insane. i remember i just remember like to me growing up in washington heights it's like we knew the cops were enemies we knew like these are and they stand out in a crowd even if they're not in uniform because they're white number one and they're always wearing yankees jerseys <laughs> for some reason so <laughs> oh it's true. so like it just like started building in this like the response of like you know the community i grew up in it's like these guys are the enemies like in my block people just scream out five oh right and everyone Heights like I'm, I'm a little kid playing in the street, you know, playing fucking with a chalk painting on the floor. Five oh, I dive underneath a car to hide, right? I don't know why. It's just like, well, these people are enemies. This is like conditioned that way, yeah. yeah. So, like, for me, like, I, I was experienced a lot of those things that you're talking about, like in, in the Bronx and 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 uh, living with with through the lens of, of our experience, right? So when we go into the concept of like development, personal development, there becomes a, a, a level of you live through these kind of traumatizing experiences and these labels and so on and so forth. But how do we detach to move forward to be able to be like, okay, I... I'm not those experiences and I don't have to live constantly expecting those experiences because then what happens is that you draw yourself to those experiences, right? So just by having that perception. And for me, like we had that, that incident the other day. I was just about to bring that. I was like, it makes way more sense why <clears throat> you got so angry <laughs> knowing like the backstory now to like your, your interaction with authority. Mm -hmm. kind of thing where it's like oh you're automatically gonna assume that i did something wrong mm -hmm. bet now i'm f now i'm fucking furious yeah kind of thing so the, the story was we were out to eat uh mo wasn't with us but we were with our significant others and another couple and this is a, a super fancy steakhouse I'll say it. it's fucking butcher block yeah i mean nobody's gonna watch this but it's fucking butcher block <laughs> um so Oh, that's we're, in uh, Long Branch, New Jersey. Long Branch, New Jersey. Does anybody have an area code for that? <laughs> so we're there. We're eating. This is, uh, we just invited Jay for the first time there. And yep. this is like our third or fourth time there, I think it was, me and my wife. And this place, like you have to, in order to make reservations, someone needs to refer you. It's really like inclusive, in, uh, not inclusive. Exclusive. <laughs> Exclusive. Exclusive. In, in that way. So, you know, we're there. We're at a table full of colored people <laughs> and at the end of the night you know we're having a great time and the the waitress comes over she asks um hey did anyone take one of the the steak knives and we're like you know we don't think much of it we're we just say mm, we look around it's like no maybe you know maybe a foul one 
they were collecting the stuff off the table because they had just finished collecting the stuff. And so whatever, she doesn't say anything, she leaves. And then a few moments later, the guy who I'm assuming he's like the security guard or something, he comes over, comes over your shoulder and he goes, hey guys, um, and like I remember you were like talking to Ashley at the moment, whatever, mm -hmm. as he's talking to the table. And he puts his hands on the on the chairs and he goes, Hey guys, listen, um, whoever got the the steak knife, we got cameras here. We can review them, we can see it. So, you know, just bring it forward. And that immediately set off that trigger for me because is the assumptive language of like, you guys did this, all right, so just come forward. And to me, like, again, like the, the whole landscape is like, we're the only colored table there. <laughs> um, we, we already has started off the night with kind of a rough start yeah. with that. Yeah, because waiting. We had a reservation for, what was it, 7.30, and mm -hmm. we didn't get a table till... 8.30? 8.30. And while we were waiting, we were waiting inside. It was it was like the coldest day of the year. It was freezing. We we're waiting inside, and then the same guy came up to us and asked, "Hey guys, you know we try to keep this area clear. Can you guys you mind waiting outside?" Yeah. And guess what wasn't clear when we walked inside to get our reservation? The place that he told us to clear that was full of white people. Mm -hmm. So already we're kind of like, hmm. <laughs> there's there's a very uh, uh, different approach for us. And then this incident happens. He comes, says that. And like I said, I got triggered right there. And right away, I, you know, I start a little bit of my uh, experiences come out. Yeah, I saw Rancis from high school come out. <laughs> he got real quiet. I was like, oh, no, I don't like this. <laughs> and I started saying to the guy, go check, go check the footage then. Go check the footage. Don't even talk to us. Go check the footage. And... I remember looking at your face and you're just looking at me like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I had no idea because I was literally talking to Ashley. I had such a good time and I see him getting very mad. I was like, what's, <laughs> like, why is dad mad? Why is <laughs> so like that was a, th that thing. And then eventually, you know, we asked to speak to, to the, to the manager, the manager comes by and I explained to him like the situation, like, listen, we have, you know, we're here having a great time. We're all professionals here. Like, and this person comes up and starts accusing us. Also, not to mention, we spent, not that it technically matters, but we spent an absorbent amount of money for six people at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And for those who are like, do you have our knives? I'm like, what is it? We just gave you like, a, we gave you somebody's rent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, we literally just gave you somebody's rent. And the, man <laughs> the manager said to me, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry you feel that way. And that was it. That's I could, I could imagine how, it, yeah, I could imagine that's how infuriating that oh must have been. Yeah. I wish I was there to see <laughs> Yeah, that's no, he super was dismissive, man. It reminded me of the time, one of the few times I saw Rancis get into a fight in high school mm. where he doesn't say anything, but he just grabs a kid by the throat. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, shit. I was waiting for that to happen. And, um, I've never, I haven't seen that that side of Rancis, and it's just off of silence and and facial expression. I was like, oh, he is mad. Mm. So did and they find the knife? Yeah, we found the knife. It was on the fucking floor. It was underneath the table on the floor. Mm -hmm. and, I, and it was like, oh, okay, thanks. They didn't, they didn't apologize. No, to me, 
to me, that was like the worst thing that could happen because now they assumed it's like, oh, they were trying to steal it and now they returned it, you mm-hmm. know? And and then like in retrospect, we're talking about personal growth, right? The following day, I sent you a message yeah. uh, apologizing for my behavior because for me, I recognized that it was my trauma, my triggers that set off like the 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 end of the night situation and and it really reminded me of my father in these situations where my father would face a lot of times like this with, with us with, as a family and my my father had an anger issue but in situations like this my dad would always just belt out laughing laugh everything off like like not be offended by by other people's issues. So I reflected on uh, like the next morning, I was still like upset about it. So I took out my journal, I started reflecting, I started journaling about the experience. And the way I journal is I put out exactly what happened and then I go dissecting it from other perspectives. What are other angles of this, right? So that was one of the perspective of like, oh, you know, for all we know, like maybe, maybe the person that was with us was trying to take it because we don't know them that well. And then they were like, oh shit, like when the issue, like that could, that's a possibility. You know? I'm not saying that's that's what happened, but it's a possibility. Um, the possibility of like, you know, they have to deal with this all the time. These knives are custom made or something. And, you know, they're kind of jaded by having to handle this all the time with different people. Just so happened to be that, you know, we fit a description that we were triggered by, you know, or I was triggered by more than anything. No, I think we were all triggered by it. It's just that most of us were late to the game. Like one side of the table was very late to the game. as like what was going on because like I was like, oh, the knife's not here. I didn't think anything of it. I went back to having my conversation and I even really, even though the guy was right next to me, I, I didn't listen to him. I thought he was just like, oh, is everything okay? Kind of thing. And then I was like, and then when I saw your reaction to it, I was like, oh, everything's not okay. He's not asking him for good. <laughs> he's, he's accusing us now. <laughs> and I was just like, and I was just looking at him and I was just like, I get the anger. And he, you helped, even though you were super fucking pissed off, you held yourself very well. You didn't, you didn't freak out and stuff like that. It's just that at the table, it's like, we were all like, ha ha ha. And then I noticed the mood change in you. And it's nothing that you should apologize for. You're rightfully pissed. But um, I just remember looking at you like, dude, just don't let it carry with you for the rest of the night. Like it, it happened. It's fucking bullshit. It's it's what it's we're used to it. It's part of life. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's it's just the way the fucking cookie crumbles. Yeah. Kind of thing. And um, and anywhere because you could say like, oh, it's it's here in America. It's everywhere. It's if you're if you're darker than the, than the average person, it's just everywhere. Um. And I thought it was really really sweet that you apologize the next day um but me and ashley both agree like he didn't need to apologize you're all immediate you know once we all knew the situation it's just like you handle it the best way you could for being mistreated and i want you to know that like you didn't handle i mean like you're right you could have laughed it off but you're not your father Mm -hmm. you're you you know dare i say a robot like just to, to to go on that point, like uh, I appreciate that number one, but on the flip side of it is like I'm always looking for where where can I grow, where can I develop in any situation, right? So so for me, the way I see this situation is like 
this moved me out of my center, right? Where you talk about when I was younger, I used to get angry all the time. I used to, you know, get into a lot of fights, right? I've, I've really worked on developing my skill set to be able to maintain my center and not be disturbed by other things. So for me, this was kind of a, a, a vulnerability I didn't know existed still. Make an argument that that behavior is a process of centering. What do you mean? So anger, as you taught me, is a form of self-defense. Mm-hmm. At that point, you're being accused of something. You're being accused of stealing, which has a lot of like repercussions. Especially, yeah. Especially like, when you're like, I remember when you and Paula talking, a big thing for your thing is integrity. So when somebody's going to question your integrity, like it makes sense that you go into defense mode because it's like, oh, fuck you. Like, time out. You know, so like, I agree with you with what you're saying. Yeah, like, isn't that a form of or a process of centering? Like, if something off makes me off balance, I have to take a behavior to recenter, not only that, but recenter and defend the people that I'm with. So, like, I'm, I'm going to challenge the perspective of, like, were you really off center? No, there was an external force that attempted to take you off center. But the anger and the behavior that was taken is the process to bring it back to center mm-hmm. because it is a form of defense. Like, there are a lot of repercussions that could happen from that. Like, if they wanted to, they could have made it a bigger issue, right? But maybe your defense or maybe your anger is what allowed them to approach it in a different way. Mm-hmm. The perception of you thinking it's another angry black man, right? Yeah. Being yeah. angry is maybe that, that trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see that as like, that's the wrong thing, but I don't know. Fuck. If black angry man came to me, I'd approach things differently too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it makes me think twice about how I approach an African-American who's angry, mm-hmm. right? Because I understand that. And I think there's a, a possibility that that bodyguard or whatever he is, security, it's, also don't understands give him credit that for being a bodyguard. Fuck him. <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> he is. Glorified. whatever he is. Uh, <laughs> glorified also, bus boy. Fuck he, him. He also has to present himself in that manner too as he's surrounded by white people who tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. So like I don't know it, it it I find it difficult to align with that perspective of like I was off center I was like mm. I was like I think that's a necessary step or process yeah. to to maintain the center. Does your guilt come more for from how you reacted or to how it affected the end of the night? Uh, my reaction. Your reaction, and, and I'll tell you where that stems from. Mm-hmm. So I was. We were already living in Jersey because I was outside uh, with my older brother, my oldest brother, who's 11 years older than me. We were washing his car. And this Asian classmate of mine was walking by my block. And I was like, hey, I don't remember her name, kids in elementary school. Like, hey, her name is in summertime. How are you? And she straight up just ignored me. She was walking with her, her mother straight up just ignored me and it was like hello 
Like mm-hmm. I literally walked in front of them and they just like walked around me. And like I was so upset and I just started, what the hell? What's wrong with you? And I just started screaming. My brother grabbed me. My brother's like six foot one, huge, grabs me like a little lunchbox and mm-hmm. sits me down in his car and he talks to me and he's like, listen, you may not know this, but you're expected to act like an animal. So when you give in to these situations, you live up to the expectations and then you give them reason to treat you this way. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a huge lesson in terms of like shit, the way I behave is not just a representation of me, it's a representation of everyone like me. Mm. So I take a lot of responsibility in the way I respond and act yeah. in situations like this. Yeah. Well, I wasn't there to, I mean, maybe you want to give your perception well, on, but that's on what why, that but, actually but, looked like. But that's why, but that's why, uh, that's why it's so interesting to me because like you were very reserved in your anger. Now, when he said, when he went to like, oh, we have camera footage and you're like, well, go check it. That was the most I saw you like get out of pocket. You know what I mean? Like you didn't really, you didn't, you never raised your voice. You never raised your voice. It's just from knowing you. I was like, oh shit, he's pissed kind of thing. So it wasn't one of those things. I was like, oh, like he's making a scene. You didn't make a scene. You know, the waitress came back. You're like, I, I would like to talk to your manager. And then you talk to him, you took him to the side. You even have him at the table. You didn't even make it a group discussion. You took him to the side. You had your conversation. And I could just tell from your body language that he was just like, eh, it's, Sorry you feel that way. That's just what it is. You know. Um, but it wasn't one of those things that like I was like, oh shit, like Francis really got out of pocket. He made a scene, like, oh my god, like everybody's looking at, like to the advertiser can't see nobody knew what the hell was going on, aside from the fact that you stood up and you talked to the manager. So you responded like a normal white person? He responded like no, not even because I feel like a normal uh, I wouldn't say a normal white person, let's say a Karen, because that could be anybody, right? Where you'd make a scene, kind of. Like, you didn't make a scene. You know what I mean? So, I think, I understand where you're coming from, where it's like, oh, like, you know, like, you you have to carry yourself in a certain way. But at the same time, you also have to to put that line in the sand where it's like, no, no, I'm going to stand on my principle. And you stood on your principle like a gentleman. And um, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't raise your voice. You didn't make a scene. You didn't make it uncomfortable for everybody. The only reason why I wouldn't even say it was uncomfortable because we, once we all knew the situation, we were all equally discomforted by the accusal of it. It wasn't how you reacted to it. You know what I mean? It you didn't you didn't change the mood of the night. They changed that restaurant changed the mood of the night when they automatically accused us of doing something. So um. You shouldn't, and not that you, we should all be hard on ourselves. That's, I, I, I think that's a good thing where it's, a, you, you need to reflect and you need to see how, like, look at it from different angles. But at the same time, like, there's no reason to apologize for how you, you reacted. So, question, is there an implicit bias slash stereotype that you struggle with in terms of being dark skinned? So, like, I think about that documentary on Netflix that talks about uh, the gentleman who talks about the history of slavery and how he took uh, an implicit biases assessment on being black. Mm -hmm. And it found out that this black man also believed the same thing about black people. 
meaning that there is a belief that African-Americans uh, do behave in a certain way. So my question to you is, like, after reflecting, do you believe that dark-skinned people behave this way? And you that was your reaction to, or your reflection to not react that way is the interaction that you have with your biases. I don't think it goes into don't group me in. It goes into the the perspective I talked about before, which is like I'm responsible for not only myself. So it's more so the stereotype that I'm expected to fit into that I want to raise above. And and like I hear you guys, I hear what you're saying. And I want to identify one thing, which is like, I don't, I'm not like saying this from a position of like, you know, I'm feeling shitty about myself, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the point of like, I'm always looking for the empowerment. I'm always looking for how do I improve this? And and then I just, this last Friday, I just went in th- through a situation. It wasn't similar because it was in race space, but it was a situation that kind of tested me on the same bounds. And I remembered that night and I remembered the journaling of the work that I did. And I said, okay, how do I want to behave? How do I want to react? And I changed the entire dynamic of the situation. So I'll tell you the story now, which is my daughter had a doctor's appointment, right? So it was so cute because she was super excited about this doctor's appointment because she's the one that brought it up. She's like, hey, I haven't been to the doctor in like... In like two years, dad. And I'm like, no, that can't be it. So I call the doctor's office and they're like, yeah, she is overdue her. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So can I book it? Whatever. I booked it for for Friday. And this was like a week before. So, you know, I pick up Emma from school. I have this on my schedule. I'm adjusting my calendar and everything. Pick up my daughter from school. We go to the doctor's and we get there, you know, like three minutes before her appointment time. And I go to the to the thing and the lady goes, uh, did you change your insurance? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't have it with me. My wife has the documentation. She's like, okay, we won't be able to see her. And I'm like, I'm here now. Like, you could have called me at any point when you confirm me the appointment and, and check this. Like, but I'm here now. You're telling me like, so it's like immediately of like the day is like, you know, all this stuff that that. And that's what, to me, that's my trigger. Like, okay, this is the cue. How do I want to approach? How did I, when I examined that situation, how did I want to behave after, after the fact? So I look at that and I'm like, okay. So I want to approach this with understanding, understanding from her end, right? And I, and I approached it by asking her, you guys couldn't, you know, call and, you know, check this out beforehand and and the lady is like just cold and she's like it's your responsibility to make sure your documentation is in order and i'm like okay i need a break (laughs) so i i take a breath and as i'm taking a breath another parent gets there something very similar happens she goes oh we don't take your insurance you have a different insurance the parent's like i have my two-week-old daughter here for her appointment now is you're telling me this and 
she's like, oh, we tried calling you and whatever. And the lady's like, you didn't try to call me? Like, and she's like, yeah, I have a note here that says your number didn't work. She goes, call my number. So she, the secretary calls the number and it rings. And she's like, this is my number. You guys didn't call me. So this whole heated debate. And through all of this, I'm texting my wife and finally she responds. She sends me the information. She's like, hey, I got the, I got the info, right? But as I say, and I'm like, this seems like a bit of a trend. <laughs> and the lady just... And puts in the thing. It's like, okay, they'll see you in a few minutes. So I'm like, okay, how do I want to approach this? So what are what is my skill set? My skill set is understanding people. My skill set is being able to coach through experiences. So now I need to be curious because when I reflected on that night, I was like, I needed to be more curious into what was going on in their perspective, which would have created understanding for me, which would have allowed me to have an impact on how this situation is handled. So like my review of that night with us was like, you know what, if I approached it in the way of curiosity, it's like, listen, let's say I spoke to the manager, listen, this and this, this happened. I know you guys don't have this intention, but this is what is coming off, right? Yeah. So how do we improve your approach in these situations so that you don't end up offending people, yeah. right? That to me would have been an empowered behavior reaction to that incident where I could help protect the next person down the line. So I looked at this situation in that same format. When you say it like that, that makes way more sense now. Okay. Yeah. Understandable. So then instead of reacting to, to, to the situation and then the doctor's called over and he's talking to that lady that's having that incident, we get called in to go see, to go get the measurements for my daughter. So my daughter goes in and I grabbed the doctor's arm and I was like, hey, can I speak to you for a second? And cause he's getting combative. He's like, I'm, you know, we, we can't see you, whatever. So I grab him, I'm like, remember, she is offended because her whole day has been ruined. She's nervous that her daughter is not gonna get the treatment or, or, or assessment that she needs. This lady is scared and hurt by what has occurred. And he looked at me, he goes, thank you. He walks back and he comes in with a whole different approach. He's like, listen, I'm so sorry. My office did this and so on and so forth. Immediately, the, you hear the lady come down, yeah. relax, right? And then he comes in, when he comes into the room to see us, he's like, thank you so much for that. It's been a really rough day. And that reminder was exactly what I needed. This, the, awesome. the, the lady in front, <laughs> After that lady left, that, that customer left, had to. she said, I need to go out for a walk, right? So clearly she's been under a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. So then after the doctor, like I had like a whole little mini coaching <laughs> with the doctor. You gave it for free? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, uh, he was super appreciative. Then I, when I was setting my next appointment, I spoke to the, to the other lady. Guards to follow me on social media, explained to her, listen, this is how you can handle these situations better. And she was like, yeah, but you never saw me get, you know, get reactive. I, I said, no, but I saw you get cold and that's you trying to suppress your emotions. And that's why you needed to go out for the walk. Yeah. Right. So if we handle it this way, you can have an impact on helping someone and not feeling under attack. And she was like, wow, that's so powerful. Got to follow me on social media. To me, that's the legacy I want to leave behind that's when awesome. I go to a place. Yeah. So that's how, that's how I see it as far as like. It's not like, oh, that, you know, I, I shouldn't be like this and whatever. It's like, how do I improve? How do I become empowered? And to me, that's that's growth. 
So your apology was for not meeting the expectations that you have for yourself. Yeah, I guess you guys respectable. That's that's what like I think gave the perspective of like, oh, you know, I apologize for my behavior, and and I was like, well, for what? Like, yeah, why are you apologizing? That the apology makes way more sense now. But also at the same time, I'm not that fucking grown. Fuck you, butcher block. I'm never going back to your fucking place. (laughs) Fuck you guys. Jason here with Mindset You, and I just want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for tuning in and watching us every week. Since Mindset You is taking a different approach, we need your help coming up with new topics of stuff that you want to hear, so that we can give you the best quality possible and the best content possible in general it's fun come on help us out help us help you anyway you can head over to vetoproject.com to watch any of the old episodes and any of the new upcoming episodes that are coming you could also check us out on instagram and on youtube and anywhere else that you could possibly think of that you want us to be let us know we'll be there all right thank you so much